song is incredible. It is a miracle. It's 93 million miles away from us. The temperature at the center of the sun is 27 million degrees uh, centigrade. That's pretty hot. Now, bad news, by the way, ladies, is this, right? That if you weigh 100 pounds on planet Earth and you transport yourself to the sun and you could stand on it with your weighing scales, you would weigh 2,700 pounds, right? So that's a bit depressing, all right? Uh, so you wouldn't want to do that even if you could do that, right? <clears throat> uh, but uh, the, the sun produces enough energy in one hour to give everybody on the planet a light bulb of their own for their lifetime. That's incredible, isn't it? That's just amazing, you know? Um, If we were a little bit closer to it, we'd fry. If we were a little bit further away, we would freeze. It really is. What it is, is it's a nuclear fusion. It's a nuclear bomb going off all the time. And it sustains our planet. It keeps everything going. And that's just one of the miracles if we were to look around uh, and see all the miracles. But do you know that all the other miracles... The miracles that display God's glory and show God's glory pale when we compare them to Jesus. You know what happened 2,000 years ago? God came down. The eternal God that had always been came and took up residence in an embryo in a woman's womb and was born into the world as a baby. If you looked at this baby, you'd have said, just a baby. But there was no baby. That was a baby, but that was fully God. And do you know why God did that? God did that because he loves you and I. God did that because he's interested in us. He's not a distant God that created the world and kind of spun it off and let it run. He's a God that's interested in this creation. He's a God that's interested in People. He's a God that's interested in you and he's interested in me. And Jesus is not about the tinsel and the gifts and everything else. Jesus is about the greatest gift that was ever given the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation that we can have in him. All right, let me give you a verse and um, we'll talk about it for a few minutes. I've got three questions for you and then we are done, right? Revelation 1 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. He's a faithful witness. Now, a faithful witness is somebody who tells you the truth. He's a faithful witness. Okay? He's a faithful witness. He's, and, and, and the first begotten of the dead, right? <clears throat> that Jesus rose from the dead. And it says, and the prince of kings, of the kings of the earth. And we're not going to look at that tonight, but do you know that Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords? He rules. He rules. Everything bows before Jesus when he, when he decides. He is the king. Right, we're not going to look at that tonight. But unto him that loved us, he loved us and he washed us from our sins. He washed us from our sins. Right? So first of all, he's the faithful witness. You've got to ask yourself this question about Jesus. Can you trust him? See, you hear a lot. You, you, you see a lot of documentaries, you, you, you read a lot of stuff, you hear a lot of people telling you things about Jesus. Can you trust him? Now, why would you trust somebody? You trust somebody because they demonstrate that they were trustworthy, yeah? They would have to demonstrate that, they would have to prove that to you. Now, G- Jesus did ju- just that. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, 
But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And the last part of the verse, the one I want you to see, who loved me and gave himself for me. There are countless verses that tell us that when Jesus went to the cross to die, it wasn't about him. He'd never done anything wrong. Of all the people that have ever lived on planet Earth, the only one that never did anything wrong is Jesus. The only one that didn't deserve to die is Jesus. He did not deserve, but he loved me and he gave himself for me. He loved you and he gave himself for you. Anybody else ever die for you? Anybody else ever give themselves for you? Anybody else ever love you to death, so to speak? I mean, I'm sure you've had people in your life and you have people in your life that love you and that care for you. And you may even have some that love you sufficiently that they would be willing to die for you because of the relationship they have with you. But do you know what you had done for Jesus before he died for you? Nothing. Do you know that you really didn't care about him? And I mean, you may care about him tonight. You may come and say, no, no, I care about Jesus. Yeah, you do now, but you, you didn't when he died. We like to look back at the <clears throat> New Testament and reinterpret the way it happened, right? So we see the crowd obeying for Jesus' blood, and we say how horrible they are, how dreadful they are. We would never do that. Yes, we would. We didn't care. We didn't care about him. And yet, he loved us. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us, that it started with him. This love relationship that we have started with Jesus, that we love him because he first loved us. But though we didn't love him, and the Bible says that God commanded or showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Though we didn't love him, though we didn't care about him, he died for us. That's a love that we don't understand, isn't it? That's a miraculous kind of love. That's a love that goes deep. That's a love that's rich and that's powerful. You know, I think if somebody loved me enough to die for me, I could trust them, don't you? And I could give you a whole lot of other reasons why Jesus should be trusted. But you know what? That's the basic reason. Because he, he loved me and he gave himself for me. I can trust him. I can depend upon this one who loved me so much that he gave himself for me. So yes, I can trust him. Second question is this. Can he help me? Now it's all right and fine to come on Christmas time and look at the baby in the manger. So cute, so sweet, so wonderful. So nice. Um, <clears throat> but what can he do for me? Does he have power? What kind of power does he have? Well, the Bible says this about him in Romans 1.4, that he was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Do you know that Jesus not only died for you and I, but he also rose from the dead. Now, what kind of power does it take for someone to rise themselves from the dead? What kind of power does it take for someone to rise from the dead when Satan wants them to stay dead? And the Romans want them to stay dead, and the Jews want them to stay dead, and yet 
Jesus rose from the dead. Book of Ephesians uh, go, talks about it and talks about the amazing, incredible power that it took for Jesus to rise from the dead, but he did. The grave could not hold him. The tomb couldn't hold him. The stone wasn't, wasn't heavy enough to hold back Jesus. Jesus rose from that tomb. He walked away from that tomb, proving that everything he said was true because he said he would rise from the dead. He had been saying it all along. His disciples, of course, weren't getting it. They weren't buying it. But he had been saying, he had been saying, listen, I will rise. The third day I will rise from the dead. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. That just seemed like a pipe dream to them. Uh, But Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he had power. Now, what kind of power does he have? Well, he has power to save you. But he has power to step into your life and to work in your life, too. Do you know that God never intended for man to live a grim, hard, difficult life all by himself? Sometimes life gets grim, doesn't it? Sometimes life gets pretty hard, gets pretty tough. You know, Christmas is a wonderful time. It's a time of happy memories and uh, sweet gifts and all kinds of, you know, loving friendships. But not for everybody. Some people come to Christmas and they come with a dread in their souls. Because it speaks of loneliness and it speaks of pain and it speaks of hurt and it speaks of dreadful times. But you know that Jesus has the power to change all that in your life. In fact, Jesus has the power to change anything in your life. He had the power to rise from the dead. Not only does he have the power to save you, but he has the power to step into your life and to change your life. You might come tonight with a smile on your face and a burden in your heart that won't go away with a smile on your face and a pain in your heart that just won't quit. And you might come and you might say, well, this is nice and I'll enjoy this, but you know what? It's only for a few moments and then I'll go back to the pain. Then I'll go back to the burden. Then I'll go back to life. Well, let me tell you, it can be different because you can take Jesus back with you and the burden and the pain all change when Jesus is in it. Everything changes when Jesus is in it. He has the power to change all of it. And he never intended for you to live your life on your own. He always intended for us to live in vital connection with him. That's the plan. That's always been the plan. And when we don't do that, we end up living a life that's grim and hard and difficult. But you don't have to. He could change that for you. He would change that for you if you would invite him in. Last point is this. Can he wash away my sins? You know, sin's an interesting concept for us because we live in a world that really doesn't accept the idea of sin. Right? We've gone beyond that, haven't we? We've, 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 psychologists and psychiatrists have told us, no, 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 you didn't do anything wrong. You know, that's just the way you are. You're human and so on. And we've taken sin and we've worked sin out to be nothing, really. But sin is a big deal with God. Sin is essentially man's attempt to live his own way and do his own thing apart from God. And you know what? Everybody in this room has tried it. We've all tried. We've all done it. We've all sinned. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all done wrong. Everybody. Now, you can say two things about that. You can say, oh, no big deal. Everybody does it. I do it. So what's the problem? The problem is, though, that your sin and my sin has an impact. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. 
Everybody has sinned, and everybody has a wage to pay. Everybody has a price tag on their sin. That's just the reality of it. <clears throat> but the gift of God, and that gift of God is the real gift of Christmas. The real gift of Christmas doesn't go under the th- tree. The real gift of Christmas is something you receive in your heart when you come to receive Jesus Christ. But you know, in order to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to first of all accept that you're sinners. And that's hard for us because we're proud. We don't want to look bad. We don't want to accept that we're bad. We don't want to accept that we've done anything wrong. And we're proud. And it's so hard for us to come to the place where we say, well, you know what? That's true, I have sinned. I have done wrong. I have done things I know didn't, God didn't want me to do. And, and I, I have not done things I knew God wanted me to do. Essentially, I have lived my own way and done my own thing. And it hasn't served me very well. And there's a price to pay. But there's a gift to receive. Isn't that good news? That's what Christmas is all about. It's about this gift, this great gift that's available for us to receive. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let me talk to you a little bit about eternal life. Eternal life is not just something that you get when you go to heaven. Eternal life is the very life of God that he plugs you into when you get saved, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. He plugs you into that life. That becomes you. You, you, come, you become part of the life of God. He plugs you into that life when you get saved. And he gives you eternal life. It's a gift. You can't earn a gift. It's Christmas time. How about, you know, you come to, uh, to, to some friend and you offer them a gift and you say, here's my gift to you. And they say, how much do I owe you? Well, that's not a gift then, is it? You'd be insulted. Well, you know, it's a gift. I want to give it to you. You know, it's a gift. Salvation is not something you earn. Aren't we raised with the idea that, well, if I'm good enough, and I live long enough, and I do the right things, and I've, I've earned enough favor with God, then somehow, when the scales are balanced, my good deeds are going to outweigh my bad deeds, and I'm going to get into heaven. I'm going to earn my way into heaven. Mama says, no. It's a gift. It says, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. Do you know that God has a gift for you tonight? A gift that's free, that he wants to give to you, but he won't force it on you. Tell the church recently, I have some gifts in my house that were for somebody uh, who wouldn't receive them. And I really don't know what to do with the gifts. They can't have them because they don't want them. <laughs> There's always one. <laughs> But you know, that's the reality of a gift. You can't have a gift until you receive it, until you take it. There's a gift for you tonight. You know, it's not God trying to manipulate you into being something or somebody. It's a gift he wants to give you. You need to get your, understand that. You know, God doesn't say, come and say to you, clean up your act. And then I'll give you a gift. No, no, no. He's going to give you a gift. If you accept the gift... He steps in and he helps you clean up your act. But it's a gift. Free gift. You see, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't miss 
the gift of Christmas. Don't miss what God wants to do in your life. God wants to give you this gift. Romans 10.13 says this, and this is how you receive the gift. You're going to say, this is too simple. You know what? I thought that too. Simple it is for me. Expensive it was for him. But it's the truth. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then explains it then in the next verse. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? In order for you to get saved, you need to believe on what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. Right? Now, what does that mean? Well, you need to come to understand, yeah, I am a sinner. That's a bitter pill to swallow. But you know what? In your heart of hearts, you know it. In your heart of hearts, you know, no, I'm not perfect. No, I didn't get it all right. No, I'm not right for heaven. In your heart of hearts, everybody knows that. But you've got to come to the place where you accept that. And that that's, that's a bitter pill to swallow. I think there are many people in hell today who refuse to accept that fact in life. And because of their pride, will pay eternally for their own sin. Even though Jesus had a gift he wanted to give them. You've got to come to the place where you believe, I'm a sinner. I can't help myself. I'm hopeless and helpless by myself, but he's a savior. And he would save me. And believing on him, you call out to him and you know what he does. He saves. And he changes. And you receive the gift. You receive the gift of eternal life. You receive the gift of Christmas. Christmas then begins to make sense. That's what it takes. You come into the place where you humble yourself and say, yeah, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. You don't humble yourself before man. That's not the issue. This is a you and God thing. Jesus has a gift. He says the gift is received by faith. It's when you come to the place where you say, yes, Lord. I want it. No more than I want it. I need it, Lord. And you ask him to save you. You know what he does? He saves. And if I were to ask you to raise your hands, there's a bunch of people in this room and they would testify all night about the fact that it's real, it's true, it works, it changes your life. And it could change your life tonight too. Why are you here? Maybe you're here because somebody belonging to you is singing in it. Maybe you're here because you got an invitation. Maybe you're here just... You know what? You happen to ramble in here tonight. I don't don't know why you're here. But you know what? There's a greater reason why you're here. Because God was drawing you. God was bringing you. Because he's always drawing us. He's always drawing us to himself. We let people and all kinds of things get in the way. But it's not people. It's God. God is drawing us. And if you tonight would say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I deserve the punishment of hell for my sin. But Jesus paid the price for my sin. And you would call out to him tonight. You know what? You would go home a different person. 
you would go home changed. Let me, you could pray something like this. Just between you and the Lord. Lord, I admit my problem of sin. I admit I deserve the penalty of sin, which is hell. But I also realize that you are my full payment for sin. And the best I know how, I depend on you to save me from my sin and hell right now. Thank you for forgiving all my sins, crediting your righteousness to my account, and giving me eternal life. Amen. You know, I didn't use those words, but 30-odd years ago now, I knelt by my bed in Fairhouse, and I asked the Lord Jesus to save me. I knew very little about who he was. I didn't know I was a sinner, and I didn't know I needed to be saved. And I knelt by my bed, and I went down on my knees one way, and I asked him to save me, and I got up from my knees another way entirely, a child of God saved and on my way to heaven. Not because I was good before then, and not because I've been good since then, but because Jesus paid the price for my sin. He paid the price for your sin too. Will you receive the gift? Let's stand for prayer. I'm going to leave that screen up there for a moment. I'm going to just take a moment and pause. And I'm going to ask each one of you to pray. And if you're not saved tonight, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer, to ask him to save you. You know, it's not about people. It's not about what they want of you or what they expect of you. It's about you and a God that loves you. And wants to save you. Would you cry out to him tonight and ask him to save you? Father, would you bless now in these moments we're looking to you, we're depending upon you. Lord, thank you for salvation. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the free gift. Now, Lord, would you bless. And Lord, those in this room that do not know you as Savior, may they in these moments trust you and come to know you. Just between you and him, privately, quietly, between you and him, cry out to him. Father, we thank you for this night. Thank you for the beautiful singing that we've heard. Thank you for touching us, Lord, and for being in this room. Lord, I do trust that you're working in hearts and that souls are being saved. In Jesus' precious name.